Wow, what an amazing weekend at the Appleton campus. Thank you so much, Life Church, for your generosity. It's your generosity that is making events and opportunities and campuses like the Appleton campus happen. Matter of fact, I just want to give you an update on what you've given. In the month of August, you gave $113,105 just to Greater. Greater is above and beyond. We, we practice tithe as obedience. That's our 10% of our income. We give that, bring that to the storehouse. But then above and beyond that tithe is Greater. And that money goes around the corner and around the world. Year to date, check this out. You've given $497,892.63. To greater. You've given almost a half a million dollars to share the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ around the corner and around the world. You know, it was about four weeks ago that I came before you and I asked you to prayerfully consider to basically buy a chair for yourself and buy one for someone else. We needed a thousand chairs. It was $50,000. And in the middle of this pandemic, uh, coronavirus um, August, summer, all of that that was going on, you stepped up, gave over 50000 Matter of fact, you gave $54,000 for chairs. So not only did we, were we able to meet the need and provide chairs everywhere we needed them on the campuses, but we were able to take that extra $4,000 and invest that into the Life Center, which is at the corner of 56th and Burleigh in the city of Milwaukee one of our campuses, our outreach center right there. I just wanna say thank you again. Because of your generosity, it's making an incredible difference around the corner and around the world. And may God continue to bless you. Today, I just wanna, speaking of the blessings of God, I, I wanna take a couple of minutes and I want to do a message today that I hope will encourage you. Um, again, summertime, this is my last kind of summertime message and it's a bit of an out of the overflow. And, uh, but I want to talk to you about the blessings of God. I make statements like that, you know, may God bless you and, and may God keep you and, and, uh, and, and God bless you as you give. And we hear phrases like that, but what does that mean? And how does that look like? And even more importantly, how do I live in the blessings of God? So today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Numbers, Old Testament, Numbers chapter 6. Verse 22 through 26, we're going to read today. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 26. This is actually what God tells Moses that he wants Aaron, the high priest, to pray over the nation of Israel, to bless them. It's a blessing that's pronounced upon the people of Israel. Now, I know that that's Old Testament, but the Bible says in the book of Galatians that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, We've been grafted into the vine, so to speak. We've been adopted into the family of God so that every promise in the book is ours. So the, the Old Testament was a covenant between God and the nation of Israel, between the Jews and God. In the New Testament, Jesus comes, and that's why we call that the New Testament. It's the, the new revelation. God comes and says, not only is this for the Jew, but it's also for the Gentile, those who are non-Jewish, that if they believe in Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, that he's the son of God, the only son of God, that he's the only way, the only truth, and the only life, that if you believe in that, you will be a son and a daughter of God. Therefore, according to the book of Galatians, what Paul writes to the church in Galatia, you and I have every promise from the Old Testament all the way to the end of the Bible. 
So when we read the Old Testament and it pronounces the blessings of God upon our lives, that's for you and that's for me. And I want to read a blessing that God instructed Moses to tell Aaron, the high priest, to pray over the nation of Israel, to pray over God's people, to pray over you. And then I want to unpack this a little bit about how we live in the blessings of God in our life. So let's read this. Number six, verse 22. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. This was a blessing, a pronouncement that God told Moses, the leader of the nation of Israel, to tell Aaron, the high priest, who was God's mouthpiece, God's voice to the people, that they were to, that God wanted to bless them and to keep them and to make his face shine upon them and to be gracious unto them and, and to give them peace. And so this was as God was saying this to his people. This is true today. Matter of fact, we're going to end the service today. Whether you're in person or online, it doesn't matter. We're going to end it today singing this song. There was a song called The Blessing that was written directly from this passage. Matter of fact, it was just released a few months ago. It's been one of those songs that's kind of been just playing over and over and over uh, and on, my, on my iTunes and, and in my car and just kind of wherever I'm at. It's just one of those things that I just, I love this, not only because it's just so much Bible and we're just, we're singing the, and worshiping the, uh, the actual words from the, from the page, but it's the story and the meaning behind it. It's the message of what God wants to do. See, God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. But there's also the enemy of your soul, Satan himself, that wants to destroy you. John 10, verse 10, that, that the thief comes but to kill and steal and to destroy. That he wants to come and destroy your life and basically reduce you to nothing. So there's this war for your soul. There's this war for your life. God wants to bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. But the enemy of your soul wants the opposite of that. He wants you to have unrest. He wants you to have turmoil. He wants you to, 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 to live under condemnation and not to have grace. He, he wants you to, to always be in lack. He wants you to always be insecure. He wants everything in your world to be totally turned upside down. Doesn't that sound a little bit like the world we live in right now? But that's not God's desire. That's why I want to preach this this weekend. That's why I want the, this message to get deep into your heart today. Because again, what you see on the news or what you see on social media or what you hear about and the world in which we live in, that's the enemy's agenda. That's Satan's agenda. That, that's according to Galatians, excuse me, Ephesians chapter six, that's the principalities and rulers of darkness that are trying to do everything they can to thwart the plan of God. But how many of you know, God has no equal, he has no rival. There is none above him, there is none beside him. He is God alone. Satan is not his arch enemy. Satan is not his equal. Rather, Satan is a created being that God himself created and Satan fell from heaven according to the Bible and along with a third of the angels of heaven which comprise of the imps and the, and the demons of hell today and their number one job is to try to steal and to kill and destroy. But God pronounces upon his people that if you will follow him, he wants to bless you. He wants to keep you. He wants to make his face shine upon you. He wants to give you grace. He wants to give you mercy and he wants you to live in peace. So how do you live with this? How do you live in the blessings of God? 
So glad you asked that question. Four principles from God's word. Number one, if you want to live in the blessings and with the blessings of God, trust, trust in the Lord. Simple word, trust. You're going to trust somebody. You're going to put your trust in somebody. If you want to have the blessings of God in your life, then trust in the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 says this, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. You know what it means to trust? It means that I give up my control. I give up my power. I give up my right. I surrender. I like to say it like this. It's palms up. God, I, I give you my life. I give you the successes. I give you the failures. I give you the ups. I give you the downs. I give you my life and I don't hold it back. I give it to you. And so you put in my hands what you want and you take out what you want. It's yours. It's yours. My money, it's yours. My life, it's yours. My career, it's yours. My choices, they're yours. My family, they're yours. My future, it's yours. My past, it's yours. Everything that comprises me as a being on the face of this planet for as long as I have breath, it's yours. I choose to trust in you. I choose not to trust in someone else. I choose not to trust in, in, in the enemy of this world. I choose to trust in you. You can never operate and have the blessings of God in your life if you don't choose to trust in him. It's very simply said, but much more difficult to practice, especially if you're kind of a type A personality like I am or kind of a bit of a control freak. You, you, you God just says, no, it's my way or the highway. It's my way or no way. It's commandment number one that God gave Moses in the Old Testament. I'm the Lord your God and I'll have no other gods before me. Nothing else can have control in your life. Nothing else can, 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 can power or power up God in your life. Why? Because God has no rival. He has no equal. There is no one beside him. He is God and God alone. And so the first way that I live and I invite the, the blessings of God in my life, for God to put his super onto my natural, for God to bless me so that I walk in favor, so that I walk in grace, so that I walk in mercy, so that I walk in peace, so that I walk in prosperity, according to his word. Again, this isn't my word. These aren't my words. This is his word, is that I trust in him. Second, obey. Obey. Choose to obey the Lord. Now that's so much easier said. Can I just tell you, it's much easier preached than lived. As I was working on this message, I kind of felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in some places that I wasn't completely being obedient to God. I was kind of trying to wrestle with God on a couple of issues. And I just had to say, Lord, forgive me and God help me. We, we all struggle with this. It's, 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 <laughs> it's our flesh. But the truth of the matter is I have a choice every day. If I'm gonna take up my cross, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28 if you have a Bible. And I want to look at this just for a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Here's what it says about the blessings of God being connected to obedience. Now, you can always ask God for forgiveness. Not a problem. But if you want to walk in the blessings the perpetual blessings of God, him putting his super onto your natural, onto your business, onto your family, onto your life, onto all that you do, it begins with obedience. Deuteronomy chapter 28, look at these first two verses. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands, his words, that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth 
And all the blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Now look, I, I, I may not, I, this may or may not be on the screen because it's, but the next, the, the next 14 verses, actually there are 12 more verses, but, but verse thir- 3 through verse 14, he talks about the specific blessings that are on your life. Verse 3 says, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. That means wherever you go, it knows no bounds. It's not like cell service. You know, I have AT&T and I, I live in Milwaukee and, and in Milwaukee, AT&T is great. But, but when I get to North Central Wisconsin, it's like I can get better cell service in the middle of Africa on AT&T than I can in North Central Wisconsin. I don't know what it is, but I drop more calls, you know, going between Green Bay and Wausau than any other place on the planet. This says that God's blessings, it has no bounds. Whether you're in the country or whether you're in the city, it's going to be there. Verse 4 says, the fruit of your womb will be blessed. That's your children, your offspring. He says the crops of your land and your livestock will be blessed. Again, these were an agricultural nomadic people at this point in time. What he's saying is, is whatever your vocation is, whatever your calling is, whatever your hand finds to do, your business, your company that you work for, the people that you, that you work for, the people that work for you, whatever, will be blessed. Verse 5 says, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. That's your food, your resources. That, that you know, the Bible says that, that God's people will never be begging for bread. That God will always supply, that he will always. He may not be early, but he's never late. He's always right on time. Verse 6 says that when you come in and when you go out, you will be blessed. What, what, what does that mean? It means whatever door you're walking into and whatever door you're walking out of, the blessing of God is not attached to a place. It's attached to a person, and that person is you. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, that's good. It's not attached to a place. It's attached to a person, and that person is you. Verse 7 says that the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. Now, I know we're not a warring nation the way Israel was at this point in time. But in my own life, it means that there are people that don't like me. There are people that may be against me. There are people that oppose me. God will take care of those people. I don't even have to avenge for it. I don't even have to deal with it. God will take care of those people. I love the way the end of verse 7 says. It says, they will come at you from one direction, but flee in seven. Seven is the number of perfection. They will come at you, but they will be so dispersed that it will actually be a perfect way that God will plan and work things out in your life. Verse 8, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. You know what that is? It's talking about your retirement. It's speaking of your savings. It's speaking of your heritage. It's speaking of things that you've set aside. You, you, you've planned for this and, and, you've, and you've, you, you've, you've appropriated for this and God will bless those things. Verse 9 says, he'll establish you as his holy people if you keep the commands of the Lord and walk in him in obedience. Verse 10 says that all the people of the earth will see. Verse 11 says, you'll operate with abundant prosperity. Again, these are not my words. These are God's words. He will open up the heavens, verse 12 says. You will lend to nations, but not borrow from one. You'll be the head, verse, seven, verse 13 says, and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. Verse 14 says, as long as you don't turn away from my commands. You want to operate in the blessings of God in every aspect of your life, in your personal life, in your marriage, in your family, in your kids, in your education, in your your career, 
at your company, in your retirement, in, in your, the investments that you make in life? Obey God's word. How do I do that? Let me give you a real simple way of doing this. We talk about this all the time. Soap. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. If you will regularly find yourself in God's word, reading God's word, and then as you read it, you observe. That's the O for soap. You observe. What is God saying to you? See, because here's the, here's the great thing about God's word. It's living. It's breathing. It's, it's organic. It, it, which means I can read a passage of scripture a hundred times and I can see something new every single time. The Holy Spirit illuminates God's word. He, he, he points to God's word. He, he leads us through God's word. And so, so the truth of the matter is, is I begin to read God's word and then I begin to say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? I begin to observe from his word. Just like today, I'm taking a passage of scripture. I, look what I just read to you in Deuteronomy chapter 28. You may have never read that or you may have read that a hundred times, but there was probably some nuance to that that you went, I never thought about that. I never thought about the fact that God appropriated his, his blessing upon a person, not upon a place. Man, so wherever I go, God's going to bless me. It's not about having been at the right place at the right time. It's God's hands upon my life. And so, so again, it's observing. What does that say to me? Application, how do I apply that today? And then prayer, I end it with prayer. Why? Because I want to consecrate that word in my life. I, I want that to seal up. I, I, I want to invite the Lord to come in and to help me and to, to, to walk out his word. I hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. I hide his word in my heart that I will obey his word. And I obey his word because I want the blessings of God upon my life. And not just my life, but the Bible says if I do that, God will bless my children. God will bless those that are around me. He will bless. So again, a real practical way of doing this is regularly, daily. Be in God's word, observe. So scripture, observation, God, what are you saying? Application, what do I need to change? What, what tweaks do I need to make in my life? And prayer, just soak that time of, in God's word and prayer. Third way that we live in the blessings of God is perspective. Perspective. I don't know how else to say this. I thought about the word self-awareness. I, I thought about, but here's what I'm trying to say by perspective. It's seeing yourself the way God sees you. It's seeing you the way God sees you. You know, sometimes we can be in the middle of a situation and we don't see the way out, but if we can just get a few thousand feet above it, if we can get 10 or 20,000 feet above it, we can see the whole plane of things and see what's going on. It's kind of like being in a traffic jam. You really can't tell what's going on when you're in the middle. Is there an accident or is it just backed up or what's going on? But if you, but if you had the ability to rise above it, just maybe 10,000 feet, you could see everything you needed to see and go, oh, there's the problem. And the thing is, is that sometimes you and I, we're limited by how we see ourselves. We either typically see ourselves worse than what we are or better than what we are. And the truth of the matter is, is you're never as bad as they say you are, nor are you ever as good as they say you are. You're never as bad as you think you are, and you're never as good as you think you are either. It's not about attention that you're ever going to eradicate. It's about attention that you're going to have to manage. It's about getting a true perspective to see you as God sees you. So the truth of the matter is, is that all of us were once sinners, and we've been saved by the grace of God. And at the same time, we are also sons and daughters of the most high God, of the King, of kings and Lord of lords. 
So if I just live my life as I'm, I'm the son and daughter uh, of, of the king, uh, of God, and, and, and then I, if I'm not careful, could become prideful and a bit arrogant. And the Bible says I need to walk with humility. If I just live on the side of, of I'm just a sinner saved by grace, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just one mistake, just one sin away from hell, that may be true, <laughs> but, but God's called me to more than that. God's called me for more than just, you know, I don't need to ride the altar till I get to heaven, right? Just constantly asking God to forgive me every single time or, or getting saved every single week. I, I need to f- ask God to forgive me every single time I sin. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that, is that, you know, the Lamb's book of life, the, the, the book that the Bible talks about that our names are written in, when we give our life to Christ, that it's written in, that we're in heaven. It's not an eraser and a chalkboard. It's, God writes it. He upholds us. He keeps us. He, it's our, our salvation is secure in him, but not in ourselves. And so, so it's important that you see yourself, and if you're going to walk in the blessings of God, that you see yourself correctly. Listen to these verses, these scriptures that will help balance what I'm trying to say. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new is here. Galatians 2.20 says, For I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 15.5 says, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, it's all about seeing yourself correctly. Apart from God, you can do nothing. You're a sinner, you're lost in your sin, but in him you can do much. And so if you get a proper perspective that you are the son and daughter of the most high God, that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life and you are not the sinner that you were, you may not be perfect, but you're not the sinner that you were and that God has a plan and you can operate with confidence, but in humility, your confidence is in him, not in yourself. Your humility comes from him and not from yourself. All of a sudden what begins to happen is the blessings of God begin to flow in your life because here's what happens. You walk and operate in confidence because you know who you are because you know whose you are. When you know whose you are, when you have identity, then you can know who you are. And that allows you to be what God's called you to be. That's how the blessings of God begin to work in your life. I need, I need to move on. Last statement, last key principle to operating and living in the blessings of God in your life is to fear not. Fear not. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. For the Spirit God gave us, the Spirit, the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Another version says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind. Here's the truth. To follow God and to have his blessings, it requires faith. You have to believe in him. 
You have to believe that God exists. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the one and only son, that you are a sinner in need of a savior, that you confess your sins and that you give them to him and that you began this walk with, with Jesus. That requires faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Speaking things that are not as though they are. Because it's not predicated upon you or your ability, but upon God and upon his ability. The opposite of faith is fear. Fear. Well, what happens if this doesn't happen? And what happens if this doesn't work out? And what happens if, if, if I'm not believing the right stuff? And, and what happens if God doesn't exist? And what happens if Jesus was just made up? And what happens if the Bible isn't real? And what happens if... See, you, when you have faith in God, you cannot have faith in God and at the same time walk in fear. You just can't. Because if you truly believe that God is who he says that he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do, then you're confident in that. It's kind of like my dad can beat up your dad, right? My, my dad can take your dad. I'm not even sweating it. I'm not even, even going to get up. I'm, I'm not even going to do anything. I'm, matter of fact, I'm going to keep drinking my Diet Coke and eating my bag of Funyuns. Amen? But if I'm concerned that my dad can't, and I don't know if he can, and I don't have trust in him, then all of a sudden I begin to fear because if my dad can't, then I have to, and I don't know if I can. So when I operate in faith, not fear, when I take what Paul says to T Timothy, when I take that to heart and I live that out, that God's not giving me the spirit of fear, that fear is never from God, that it's, it, it's the thing that the enemy tries to use to reduce the blessings of God in my life, to reduce faith in my life, to reduce me down, to shrink me down like a pair of Levi 501 button fly blue jeans. When I push that fear away, I operate in faith. And when I operate in faith, I please God. Because that's what the word says. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. But when I operate in faith, fear is out the window. When I operate in fear, faith's out the window. You have to make a choice and a decision. Are you going to operate in fear or are you going to operate in faith? Oh, it's crazy out there. Yep, you're going to operate in fear, you're going to operate in faith. There's a virus out there. You're going to operate in fear, you're going to operate in faith. I'm not talking about being stupid. We're not talking about licking doorknobs, right? We're not talking about, we're, we're, you know, wear your mask and, and wash your hands and, 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 and practice all the requirements and all the recommendations, all of that stuff. But the end is this, is that he is the author and the finisher of my faith. So I put my faith in here and I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to worry. Even Paul says this, I'm not going to worry what will happen in this world because he's overcome this world. So today, if you trust in the Lord your God, and if you obey the word of the Lord your God, and if you see yourself as the Lord God does, and if you fear not, then you will enjoy and dwell in the blessings of God. And not only you, but your children, and their children, and their children for multiple generations. We're going to end today, and the band's going to do this song, The Blessing, which is straight from the book of Deuteronomy. We read it at the very beginning of the message today, excuse me, from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And it's the prayer, the pronouncement of blessing that God instructed Moses to tell Aaron, the high priest, to pray over his people. That's my prayer for you. It's kind of coincidental that I'm the pastor, a.k.a. the priest, and my name's Aaron. That's a whole other thought for another day. That's just coincidental. But I'm just saying to you, God wants to bless you. 
if you're willing to trust him and obey him, to see yourself properly, and to fear not. He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon you so great you don't have room enough to contain it. So I pray for you today. Lord, I pray that you will bless your people, as your word says, that you will keep your people, that you will make your face shine upon your people, and you will be gracious to them. And Lord, that you will turn your face toward them, and that you will give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen.